was the Lord Jesus Christ who said the words that I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The church is neither dead, nor asleep, nor disabled, nor closed. Possibly congregations are sleeping and closing and frail and weak and many other things. But the church of Jesus Christ is the bride. She is the beautiful bride of Christ. And Jesus Christ said that I will build my church. And upon that truth, upon that promise, we stand. Upon that rock, we stand. The church is not the place of worship. Um, Places of worship have been closed or not allowed to gather in person or with restrictions. And, but the church of Jesus Christ are the people. It is us who have confessed and believed with our heart. Um, we've confessed with our mouth, believed in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he is our, that he is our Savior. Uh, we've come to understand uh, the problem of sin. We've come to understand what it means to believe, what it means to repent, uh, what, what, what our, our values have changed, our, our mindset has changed. We've been purified. So as we as we look at these um, as, at these times, I want us to look at the characteristics of the early church. You know, when we speak of the gathering of the saints, we are speaking of the body of Christ, His bride, not buildings, not institutions, or your preferred denomination down the street. Right? When we open our Bibles and we just simply read right through them, you know, we read and especially specifically the New Testament, the New Testament church, you know. What, what, what do we see in Scripture? What is commanded in Scripture? You know, what makes a church? What makes a real gathering? Um, is it the building? Is it your, um, uh, your 501c3? Is it your uh, ordination? Um, is it um, a certain seminary? Um, is it a, a, serpent, a certain name brand? You know, what, what, what makes a church? Um, you know, we look at we look at scripture and we see a lot of things that we consider as very important as not the priority in scripture. What we do see in scripture are three main things that I want to bring to you is simplicity, clarity, and depth. Simplicity, clarity, and depth. You know, a lot of times when 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 we think of what is important, what is not important, we don't really look to the Bible as the first source. We look at our traditions. Uh, we look at what we've been taught, uh, what we see on the internet. Um, you know, you can just simply ask somebody, "What do you expect when you visit a church?" You know, and you hear answers uh, for those who are honest, like great childcare. You know, I want a nice building. Um, I prefer clean restrooms. Uh, I I would love a great youth program with a funny pastor and. Um, you know, just a place where my kids can can learn and hang out with other believers. And uh, I want enough parking because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to walk too far. Um, you know, I want it to be safe. I want it to be well lit. I want security. Um, you know, I want to feel safe when I go to this place. You know, I want a nice pastor um, with a nice smile. Uh, his message is not um, too stern, not uh, too soft. I want um, I want a good, solid teaching. Uh, but not too convicting, of course, right? Just just enough uh, for the week. Um, I want an awesome worship team. I want a good worship experience. You know, when I when I show up to that place, I want to feel something. I want to be moved to do something. A lot, you know, a lot of times when people who are honest they say these typical answers, or or maybe uh, for those who have who have already been churched and uh, have a certain preference. Uh, they say, well, I, I want my sermons to be um, very reformed, you know, very doctrinal. Um, you know, I want to make sure that the pastor has his Ph.D. in who knows what. I want to make sure that um, he has um, uh, he's reading the right books. I want to make sure that uh, there is the right catechism. I want to make sure that the building is uh, up to par. Um, I want to make sure that the worship team is not too loud. Uh, I prefer just an organ. Um, I prefer uh, the Lord's Supper every time we meet or once a month or every other month. Uh, we have certain preferences. And, and, and during these times, I think that uh, you would agree that we have been broken out of that shell. And a lot of people um, have gone uh, closer to Christ and other people have unfortunately drawn um, further from him. And um, 
this is a scary thing because we're we become very dependent upon institutions we're dependent upon programs um, and in reality you know I would dare to say that the majority of the churches are program driven churches not Christ driven churches not gospel driven churches let me let me say that again and I and I hope you you listen uh, clearly to this most of the churches and look at your own congregation uh, look at the place that you worship at weekly or or as many times you go a lot of them depend upon programs they gotta have the right program to make people happy to make the community happy they have to have the right program if not people will leave to the next best program we have to have the best child care if not they'll go to the next church down the street with the better child care you know, we got to make sure that we offer the best refreshments. We got to make sure that we do this, we do that, we do. And in, we just don't see this in scripture. Um, is it all bad? Of course it's not all bad, but that should not be the focus. So when we look at the church, a lot of people have, you know, taken a hiatus and or they think the church is on furlough. They think the church is on vacation. They think the church is, is closed for now so they can do whatever they please. And um, let me give you a reminder, the church of Jesus Christ is not closed. And if you feel that way, you need to check your heart, check your walk with Christ. Um, if you don't have a desire to meet and gather some sort of assembling together, whether it be online, uh, whether it be in smaller groups, or whatever way you can, if you have no desire uh, to meet, you need to really evaluate and check your spiritual walk. You need to check your spiritual thermometer, make sure it's still, it's still, uh, you know, that there's still life. Um, because you could have been sold a Christianity that is institutionally driven, program driven, um, weekly driven, pastor driven, um, and many other things that drive. Um, and if Jesus Christ is not um, leading, if Christ, Jesus Christ is not the center of, of, our, of our gathering, then why are we gathering? Why? Why are we fighting for, for, uh, for rights? Why are we... Uh, fighting in, um, uh, to open our doors. If, if all it is is hanging out, we can do that anywhere else. So this is not another form of entertainment. This is a place of worship. You know, when we think of the place of worship, we are not to think that that is the church. Because a lot of times we've, we've, we've come to the understanding that without the building, you know, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do if we don't have a building? What are we going to do if we don't have enough, um, if we don't fit? What are we going to do? Well, the church is not dependent upon the building. And when we look at Acts, um, in Acts chapter 2, and we read things like that, they were continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, right? To the breaking of bread and to prayer. There, there, there were certain elements that I would say are... Um, main ingredients these are essential um you know and everybody that was gathering was feeling a sense of awe you know there, there was things that were going on christ was was present right the, the power of the holy spirit had come upon the church you know those who had believed made the church not just random people it's the believers in jesus christ who are the church you know they they they, they sold their property their belongings you know the possessions they were sharing with one another with one another you know when everybody had when anyone had a need the brothers in Christ met the need the day to day they were continuing with one mind in the temple you know breaking bread from house to house you know they were taking their meals with, together with gladness and sincerity of heart you know what else were they doing praising God having favor with all the people and the Lord was added to the number day by day those who are being saved Again, there was main ingredients, and these are the things that matter. When we look at the early church, there was simplicity, there was clarity, and there was depth. The word of God was being preached. There was prayer. There was fellowship. There was the breaking of bread. You know, there was love. There was real, genuine love. There was not. It was not a program-driven early start of the church. This was a gospel, Holy Spirit-driven church. You know, the, 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 when we see in Acts the promise of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church, the spread of the gospel, you know, the gospel to the Gentiles, you know, the time had come to take Jesus 
the name of Jesus to all the nations, the gospel of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus. You know, and this was going to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit, not the power of an institution, but the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify the Father. You know, there was a new and better way, and His name was Jesus. They were not dependent upon having a building, upon having the the, the best teacher in town or their celebrity pastor. You know, there was something better. His name was Jesus. You know, the anointing had come upon the church. Now, for the sake of clarity in, in this segment, allow me to explain what I mean by simplicity. Now, when I say simplicity, I do not mean um, something without importance or something low grade um, or something uh, not well thought through. When, I, when I'm speaking with simplicity and when we look at scripture, you know, we see that they were all about learning the Word of God. We see that the Word of God was a center, not programs. You know, they were praying for one another. You know, they, they, they were spending quality time together in fellowship as a community. You know, breaking bread from house to house. It wasn't just in the temple. They moved this to the houses. You know, uh, you know our, our, our gatherings are not supposed to be complicated. You know, there was simplicity. You know, there was also clarity. You know, there was no hidden agenda. The people understood that they came together to worship God. There was clarity. You know, there was no um, um, specific agenda. It was just to worship God. You know, like I said, this was a community uh, of believers. Um, And now this community uh, was focused upon the most important person, that is Jesus Christ. And upon the message of Jesus Christ, which is the most important message. You know, the, 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 these brethren lived on mission for Jesus. There was clarity. It's not like I had a certain vision. They had a certain vision to do things. We had a certain mission. They had a certain mission. No, the mission was already given in Scripture. We don't need to come up with new things. You know, the vision, we have this. We have everything in the Word of God. And you may think I'm too simplistic. And I encourage you, brother, I challenge you, go to the scriptures, you know, look beyond, take off your denominational lenses for one minute, um, your tr- put your traditions just aside for one minute and look at the word of God. What does the word of God say as a church? And I guarantee you that it's not what we see nowadays for the most part. What else was there? There was depth, you know, there was simplicity, there was clarity and there was depth. What I mean by depth, they, they didn't waste time with entertainment, as many churches do, as many congregations. They focus upon entertaining the community, entertaining the non-believer, entertaining um, the believers to keep them in the building because we want to make them happy because if not, they're going to leave. If we don't if we do not do what they like, they're not going to tie. They're not going to give their offering there. You know, we fear man, so we entertain people, you know, and, and we fill their lives with programs to keep them busy. You know, the early church didn't have to do this. They lived on mission for Jesus Christ. You know, they, they, they did not waste time with entertainment and, and occupying people with programs all week long. They lived on mission for Jesus Christ. They were dependent upon the Holy Spirit, not upon other things, other measures, other methods. But it was the Holy Spirit. You know, I know for some this would be too simple. You know, for some, they would, they would say, I'd rather just do it our way, you know, the way we've been doing it. It just works, you know, and um, and maybe it does work and maybe it doesn't work. But during these times, I'm sure you've been challenging. You've been, we have been dispersed. We're in different places. And, and I, I, I pray that you see the need to reconsider what, what it means when we gather. What is essential, you know, are, are, is the building fund, the building project, the building program, the most essential thing or is it the word of god it is is having the most comfortable chairs uh the best seats in town um to have the most um comfortable building is that really the priority is that what we've come to um you know what if peter uh was our pastor or john or the apostle paul you know what what would our church look like you know what, what if jesus was our pastor you know i'm sure you've thought about this before but it's, it's worth thinking about. So there, there was simplicity and there was clarity and there was depth in the church. Now, 
For now, I want us to to see a couple things, a couple traits, and um, in the church, and um, one of them was that they were a learning church. Again, they were a learning church. Um, you know, we see that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, my question to you is: Is this a priority to you? To you, yes, you who is listening, is is the the teaching of the gospel of the word of God, the apostolic teaching? Uh, it is is the Old Testament, the New Testament. Is this what is priority in my life? You know, the the early church was a learning church. This is something that is worthy of imitating. They were devoted learners of God. They were devoted to fellowship with one another. They were devoted to breaking of bread and to prayer. They believed wholeheartedly the message of the cross. You know, the gospel. They were willing to give their lives for the gospel. They learned like holy sponges, we could say. And they overflowed upon their community, you know, all around them. You know, the apostles understood that the teaching was one of their primary tasks that needed to get done. And my fear is that, um, not even my fear, this is the reality. In many churches, the teaching is not priority. In many churches, it's people-pleasing, it's program-driven, uh, it's good music, you know, it's, it's good refreshments, it's good fellowship. It's not the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the believers were continuously listening to the teaching of the apostles. You know, the believers lived out the doctrine learned. They were doers of the word. Theology and practice go hand in hand. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy will ride together forever. You know, the gathering of the brethren was a time for learning the scriptures, reading the scriptures, singing the scriptures, and praying the scriptures. The church was saturated with the word of God. You know, we see that they were literally students of the word. And it was, a trans- it was about transforming lives, not entertaining lives. You know, the only way to grow is that one must be learning, you know, and learning what? The character of God, you know, and fill our minds and our hearts with his word. They were not devoted learners of a new set of laws or new rules or methods or astrology, biology, sociology, uh, psychology. You know, it, it was about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the gospel is not forms. We know this. It is not rules or religion. It is not a club we join. It is not passing three classes and being part of a member of a specific congregation. It is not uh, signing up to uh, to certain doctrinal truths only, a certain checklists. It's much more than that. It's about a person. It's the news about a person. It's the good news about the person of Jesus Christ and the freedom we find in him. You know, it all points to the Son of God. You know, his only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ, only he is greater than all the angels, greater than all the kings, greater than all the prophets, greater than all created things, greater than all the grand subjects there is in academia. The church was a, was learning the good news and taking the good news to other people in need that everything was found in Jesus. Not that everything was going to be okay and that your life is better, it was going to be better today. Not necessarily. But that everything we that we could find satisfaction upon Jesus Christ, and we don't have to be looking for these um, these substitute things in this world. You know, they were teaching the gospel. The, the, the early church, the, the, the simplicity. They were teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The scriptures. They opened the they opened the scriptures and they taught them. You know, they used all the scripture: the Torah, the prophets, the life and the ministry of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. The church must never cease from learning that. That Jesus was more than a rabbi, more than a preacher, more than a prophet. You know, that there was no man like him. No one ever spoke like him. He was the promised one, the anointed one, the Lamb of God. He was the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. The scripture teaches us he came to be the light of the world. He came to save sinners. He came to give life. He was sinless and perfect, yet he died on the cross like a criminal. He is Jesus, our brother. You know, we will see um, these foundational truths as we study the scriptures, as we dive into them. 
what, did, what exactly were was the teaching about? Well, the apostles taught that Jesus was the Messiah, or Jesus as the Messiah. They taught Jesus the son of the son of David. They taught through this lineage how the Messiah came. What else did the apostles teach? Jesus as a servant of God. They taught that the holy and righteous Savior was Him. The apostles taught that Jesus, the prophet, like Moses, and the judge of mankind. The apostles taught the need of repentance. Oh man, this is a message that we don't hear much. The need of repentance. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that time for refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. They taught that salvation is available only through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. It is Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. You know, of him, all the prophets bear witness. And through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. This is called the apostolic way. This was priority is to make Jesus the theme, not just the theme of my local service, but the theme of my life, to connect the Old Testament with Jesus. The goal of the law was Christ. You know, it was pointing to Christ. He alone came to fulfill the law. You know, when we devote ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, we learn many things. You know, when we stick to the apostolic teaching, there's a lot of things we learn. And these are priority. These are the things that truly matter. What are the things? Things like faith, that a sinner can be justified by faith in Christ alone. Things like forgiveness of sins, that the finished work of the cross, Jesus bore our sins and nailed them to the cross. What a gift. Things like holiness, that means Christ in us, dwelling within us, you know, working in us, helping us, being victorious over sin daily. He's the only one that can help us be victorious. Helping to cleanse our sins and mold us into his image. That we would look like Christ and honor the Father. The, when we read the apostles, we read finding satisfaction in Christ. Learning to be content with the Lord's provisions. Learning if we have little or we have much, we must learn contentment. Learning the doctrine of prayer, the need of it, the why, the how, to who we pray, right? We see this in Scripture. These are priorities. Learning compassion from Jesus. The only way we're going to have compassion for others is if we look to the author of compassion, Jesus Christ. You know, learning to love our neighbors. This is what we learn in Scripture. Learning that God takes, you know, takes more delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings learning to hate evil and be innocent to evil things and love God and love what is good and be wise to what is good learning that the people of God must strive to live like Jesus learning to have assurance that the Son of God has come and, for, and forgiveness of sins is available. Learning to examine the scriptures daily. Learning to seek the approval of God and not men. Learning that the people of God must never stop assembling together, as is the habit of some. You know, we are the church of God and the people of God. We must be devoted to the teachings of the apostles. This was a priority. The building is not priority. The program is not the priority. The priority is to take the message of Jesus and teach it, instruct, disciple, lead people to Christ and teach them what Christ has taught. You know, there's nothing new. God has already spoken. We have the word of God. You know, we must be steadfast in learning about God, about the character of God, about his beautiful attributes. We should be hungry to learn about his son and his working of his Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. The people saved were nurtured in the faith and they persevered in learning the teachings of the apostles. Regeneration means being born again. This was only the beginning of knowing God. This wasn't the end. Learning of our blessed Savior needs to be a daily diet 
for the soul. The apostles wanted the church to be built upon the blessed truth, and we should too, and preach that Jesus, the rock of ages, and we should preach him too. The Savior of the world has come, Jesus Christ. Now may God help us today to always be a learning church. A learning church will always say, Emmanuel, God with us. Simplicity, clarity, and depth. What matters to you? What is the most important thing to you? Is it learning? Or is it simply being part of a certain congregation? Or am I really there to learn the gospel? Until then, uh, we're going to continue on the next one. Uh, So I encourage you to uh, jump on the next segment. Blessings and grace and peace. So this is going to be part two of the segment of um, characteristics of the early church. And as we look at three main topics, uh, simplicity, clarity, and depth, and my challenge to you is to look at scripture as to what it means to be the church, uh, what goes on during the gathering, and what is priority and what is not priority, as we looked at the last, uh, the previous one. And um, again, simplicity, clarity, and depth, these are basic and essential elements that I want to challenge you to think about. Um, and, you know, last on um, the last one, we saw that the church is ought to be a learning church. That is a priority. That is an essential to be a learning church. Is my gathering a place of learning or just entertainment? Is it a place where I'm just kept busy or am I actually growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? So I want to continue wrestling with that text in, in, um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that which we saw. Um, you know, and, and take another dive into it, into the deep waters and learn a little bit more. You know, we saw that they were devoted, they, the church devoted themselves um, to the apostles' teaching and then also to fellowship, uh, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It was a church of fellowship, you know, where they broke bread together. Uh, you know, they were, they, were, they were refreshing themselves in the presence of God together. You know, the early church... Uh, they were devoted to the right things. And this is what I want us to see. Um, they were not devoted to to a lot of things that we count as important. And um, they're really not that important. So, you know, that the fact that we're not able to do them right now ought not to change anything. Um, the fact that we're not able to gather in person and do certain things and certain activities that we used to do, that, not, that should not affect our faith. And my fear is that it has affect, affected the faith of many. And, um, and on the other hand, it has increased the faith of others. And so we, we, when we look at scripture, we must look at what God has intended for us to see and to know and, um, and to understand what are the right things to focus upon. You know, this doesn't mean that obviously the church was perfect. You know, they had no problems. You know, they had many problems. We know uh, whenever, human, whenever there's humans involved, there's going to be imperfection due to sin. Yeah, but they had their, their sight on Christ and following him. You know, someone once said, uh, you know, this about Christian fellowship. You know, it's the great quality of togetherness. And I like that. You know, is, is there this sense of togetherness? Is there love in my fellowship? You know, not, I'm not asking you how many people attend. I'm not asking you for the name outside of your building. I'm not asking for um, your pastor's um, uh um, recognitions and accolades and um, and plaques on his wall. I'm not asking uh, for your website. I'm, I'm just, is there love? If somebody walks into that place, do they feel the presence of God by the love of the saints? You know, we know when we are born again and become children of God, you know, we come into the most diverse and beautiful family that has ever existed. You know, Jesus brings us together. You know, this family stretches from coast to coast, continents, languages, ethnicities, cultures, traditions, and much more. When we speak of fellowship, we must understand we, plural, are the body of Christ. We are the children of God. We are a community of faith. We are the sheepfold of God. We are the bride of Christ. We are the church of God, the people of God. You know, plural, not singular. You know, there's this sense of togetherness. You know, when we come to know Christ and embrace Christianity, we will quickly notice through scripture and experiences that we are not called to walk alone. 
you know, but in harmony with one another as a family who loves one another. You know, we have been created as relational beings since we are made in the image of God. And, um, and the Godhead is our example of unity. You know, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, co-eternal and always in communion, eternally in fellowship together. You know, they're co-equal and always in communion. There is equality uh, in their fellowship. And we ought to learn uh, not from not just from the, the, the from the people in this earth, but we, we have to look to God first when we see what it means to be in fellowship. Uh, you know, we are also called to live in harmony and in, 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 in a community with believers, you know, who don't think like us or dress like us and eat like us. That's not the point. The point is not to make everybody like us. You know, the point is for us to look like Christ. You know, remember, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about a specific um, uh, individual in the congregation. It's about Jesus Christ. You know, fellowship is not about making myself happy, but it's about Christ and others. You know, it, it's not about, uh, you know, fellowshipping with people we like, you know, right? Like certain people that we get along with the most. It's more, it's more than that. Christ is to be the center of this. The church, uh, you know, is a real church only when it is a band of brothers. That is when it's a real congregation. Not because you gather in a building. Not because you sing certain songs. Not because you practice certain catechisms. But are we a band of brothers in the name of Jesus? That is a church. You know, th this characteristic is not optional or selective to practice only in, with certain people. You know, the church must be devoted to, to fellowship. You know, we should desire to fellowship with other believers and, you know, bless one another with our time, our gifts, our abilities, our words, uh, you know, with our love to each other. This is a form of worship. It, this is an expression of worship, our fellowship. It's not just hanging out. You know, you know, think about how much the Lord is pleased to see us in a loving community of faith and not simply, you know, put up with each other on a weekly basis for an hour or two. You know, the early church lived in a spirit of fellowship. You know, new believers were learning what pleased God and that was producing an outward effect of fellowship and caring for one another, caring for those in need, people they wouldn't help before and now they were drawn to be there for each other because of the love of Christ was in them. You know, in, in, in the same chapter in, in Acts 2, in verse 44, 45, we see that, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Fellowship refreshes one another. We need it. You know, it's not just commanded in Scripture. We, 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 it's good for us. You know, we should all feel refreshed by the love that we have for one another. You know, being there for one another, spending time with one another. Genuine conversions bring genuine results, brothers and sisters. Genuine conversion is going to bring something that is not of this world. Genuine conversion will be demonstrated with our deeds. Genuine fellowship with God will draw us to be genuine with one another. A lot of times we are not, we don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can't express that outwardly to our brothers and sisters. You know, and um, it, it, again, this is not a contingent upon, upon having a building, upon having certain requirements that um, week to week. No, this, is, this goes much more. The church, the church of Jesus Christ um, it goes beyond our traditional model. Uh, we, we literally have a relationship with him. Not that uh, the gathering is not important. The gathering is an expression of that, of that real genuine fellowship. When we gather, we ought to desire to gather, not just be there because of our uh, commitments or because we just have to be there. You know, you know, good thoughts are not enough. You know, it must be lived out. Pretty words are not enough. It must be expressed with our lives. People want to see Christ. The church needs to live as a bride of Christ. The bride wants to honor the bridegroom. That's naturally the way it ought to work. The desire of the bride is to be together with the bridegroom. This attitude must flow into our daily lives. Not weekly, not only when my building is open, but daily. You know, we must practice being together, doing things together, eating together in the name of Christ. We must find our commonality in our faith and values that come from Christ and not this world. 
You know, this is what genuine fellowship produces, real relationships where we love one another. You know, a brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel, Proverbs 18, 19. You know, human beings are complicated. I understand that. You know, we all think differently, act differently, desire different things, speak differently, feel differently about life and all that comes with it. But as Christians, we are called to walk by the Spirit, every single one of us, and not be conformed to the system of this age, of this world. But there must be a, a continuous transformation by the renewing of our minds. And that only happens through the Word of God. You know, the pattern of our thinking will have a direct effect on the way we deal with others. You know, if all we think about is ourselves and making ourselves happy, then we demonstrate it by our lives. You know, if we walk in the light, we will seek fellowship with those of the light. That's true even if the building is closed. You know, if we walk in darkness, we will see we will seek fellowship with those who walk in darkness. Those are facts, all right? Biblical facts. Bad company corrupts good morals. You know, may we seek good company and nourish our morals and not dilute our 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 walk with Christ and uh, make it frail and weak because the people we're hanging out with and the company we're choosing. You know, genuine fellowship is not learned from a book or a class we take or attending a seminar on fellowship. You know, it comes from God. It's a holy activity that believers practice with one another. It's in our Christian DNA. The scripture teaches us to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. You know, and I would say, because you're really not all that. We're really not all that. So don't be wise in your own estimation. You know, a gospel-filled life produces this. This is what the gospel produces when we are focused upon this. You know, there will be a genuine fellowship as an, as an overflow of, of a gospel-filled life. When we see the scriptures and see the life of Jesus and how he had fellowship with his disciples, you know, I'm sure he ate with them, he cried with them, he laughed with them, he taught them, he led them, he modeled a behavior worth imitating. Jesus called his followers to a life of fellowship with him. Right, we see this togetherness that Jesus exemplified through his life. You know, nowadays we tend to separate our personal life and our spiritual life, and this is a huge mistake. It's not like we're spiritual only when we're together, and then we're 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 natural and um, better yet, we're carnal uh, when we're not together. You know, th- that's not the way it ought to be. We ought not to be carnal. We ought not to be uh, dividing, saying, "Well, this is my secular life, and this is my." A Christian life. These are my secular friends and these are my Christian friends. We are Christians at all times. Brothers and sisters, we are Christians 24-7. Whether the building is open or the building is closed, the building does not determine if we are walking with Christ or not. We are Christians at all times. There's no division, you know, there's no division in this, right? You know, or there's no clocking in or clocking out of our spiritual walk. Uh, you cannot divide it. We are spiritually, um, uh, we're spiritually oriented at all times. That's why fellowship can look differently everywhere. It's expressed differently, experienced differently. I can say, you know, believers should seek to be in constant communion with one another, not just have a Sunday relationships. And that's what, unfortunately, um, you know, has happened a lot. You know, it's not really a lifestyle. So nowadays, when the building is closed. You know, their Christianity is closed. And that is not the biblical way. And that's my challenge to you, brother and sister. Is there simplicity? Is there clarity? Is there depth? Is there learning in my life? Is there fellowship? You know, is there this koinonia? Uh, you know, this, am I part of a society of believers? Is there true friendship? Am I participating together with other believers? You know, the fellowship of the believers was a lifestyle. You know, and it came natural to them. You know, as they were loving God, loving neighbor, you know, we, we see this connecting point, these characteristics. Um, you know, they, they were continually devoted to the breaking of bread. Um, you know, they, they, they were devoted to this. Um, you know, one one is uh, one is said that this is the breaking of bread refers to the Lord's Supper. Another is to the ordinary meals. 
uh, people divide on this. And um, so some would say this is the Lord's Supper. These are ordinary meals. And both are commanded in Scripture that we, we share together anyways. So whichever way you see this, um, um, you know, I, I, I like what the, uh, the Geneva the Bible tells us here. It says that the Jews used thin loaves and therefore they broke them rather than, than cutting them. So they, so by breaking, you know, so by breaking of bread, they meant living together. And the banquets which they used to keep, um, and when they kept their love feasts or their copies, they used to celebrate the Lord's Supper, um, you know, which in even those days began to be corrupted, you know, as Paul teaches us later on. Um, you know, but I think most commentators would say this, that the breaking of bread is best understood as a reference to the ordinary meals that believers regularly shared, during which they remembered the death of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of sins and the establishment of the new covenant. I, you know, I, I think that. So it could be uh, that the breaking of bread is both, whether they practice the Lord's Supper or the taking of meals together. Regardless, it speaks of this communion, this community, this this togetherness. Believers together, remembering the finished work of Christ. You know, when you take a meal together with your brother and sister in the Lord, it's something special. When you pray for that meal, when you remember Jesus Christ, you know, having a feast together as a community who are like-minded, we ought to desire this, loving one another, you know, demonstrating affection for one another. A community of forgiven sinners is what we are. You know, not all who break bread together, um, you know, um, you know, not all who, who would break bread together, better yet, you know, but only those who had bowed the knee to Jesus, to King Jesus. You know, not, not everybody would break bread together. Not everybody would share in this commonality, but it was it was the community of believers. Um, you know, they, they, you know, they not all partook of this, but only those who had had a that confessed that Jesus is the Christ and they trusted him as their savior. You know, what did the apostles teach the church on this? You know, we can see this in first Corinthians uh, chapter 11, you know, um, you know, we, 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 we can, we can see this clearly. This is why we need to go to scripture, you know, so we know that these are important characteristics of the early church elements that our gatherings must have. This is priority. You know, the, the cross, the work that has been done there, the, the finished work will always unite believers and bring meaning to our fellowship and the breaking of bread together. Being devoted to the teaching of the apostles is what we saw previously. Today, devoted to fellowship and to breaking of bread together. You know, so Christian fellowship and breaking bread together is more than happy times and eating food together. It's more than social activities. You know, what constitutes fellowship is in being is being in relationship with God and the people of God. Let me repeat that to you. What constitutes fellowship, true genuine fellowship, is being in a relationship with God and the people of God. You know, be in communion with God and his people. Be devoted to God and one another. Do not envy one another, love one another. Help one another, admonish one another, encourage one another, serve one another, pray for one another, show mercy to one another, bless one another, practice hospitality with one another, rejoice with one another, weep with one another, respect one another, showing grace to one another, gather to worship with one another. Brothers and sisters, we have everything we need to have genuine fellowship and break bread together. You know, we have a renewed mind in Christ. We have a new heart in Christ. We have a new spirit in Christ. Because of this, you know, may the may the love and fellowship of the brethren persevere and continue and grow. May his spirit be the wind in our sails and draw us closer to him and to one another. Simplicity, clarity, and depth certain characteristics of the early church things that truly matter what matters to you brother and sister what is priority to you is the building the priority is the best program the priority is my gathering a place where the love of god is truly demonstrated where the gospel is preached something to think about till the next segment brothers grace and peace sisters this is part three of uh, the segment of characteristics of the early church or of the church we can say 
And, um, you know, previously we saw that it was a learning church in part one, and um, then we saw in part two it was a church of fellowship and the breaking of bread. And um, I want to continue on this, thinking of, of three main things as we share this and as we go together on Scripture. Is when we look at the, when we think of the church, you know, what are we thinking about? Uh, buildings? Are we thinking about, um, are we thinking about institutions? What, what, what are we thinking? Are we thinking about the body of Christ? Um, are we thinking of the day of worship? What, what comes to our mind? And so my, my goal is, is to put in your mind simplicity, clarity, and depth is what we see in Scripture. And uh, pulling examples from Scripture, I want us to examine this and uh, to see what is priority and what is not priority. Um, what is tradition and what is commanded? What, what is required? What is not required? Uh, what is um, uh, preferences that we need to adjust? Uh, and what is things that, what are things that we can just not uh, live off of? Things that we don't need? What if we're not able to gather in person um, for a while? What, what, what are we going to do? Just not uh, continue our Christian walk? Well, of course not. And so I want us to look at the, the uh, characteristics of what it means to be the church. And, um, and uh, you know, we're in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, verses 42 and on. And, you know, in the book of Acts is a narrative. We have to understand this. And it tells us a story of the beginning of the church. You know, a true story, a powerful story, a story with many lessons for us today. You know, and I pray that, you know, we're all growing in understanding of who was the early church. What did the early church practice? What did they teach? How did they live? These are important things that we ought to uh, see in scripture, not learn this from uh, secondhand from denominational rules, but look at the Bible, look at the scripture. Um, and again, I'm not saying that everything is bad. I'm just simply saying start with the scripture and then go to everything else. You know, our spiritual growth needs to be on the top of our resolutions and priorities. You know, the Christian walk is a battle and the enemy works overtime to confuse many Christians with simple matters uh, that have profound significance. Uh, you know, it's the basics that we cannot get wrong. You know, we must not allow the world to change our view of what is truth, you know, or better yet, who is truth. You know, the more you take a look at the early church, you will notice it was simple. It doesn't matter who you are, how educated, uneducated, um, uh, what, what preference of denomination you have. You cannot say that the early church was complicated. You cannot say that it was it's complicated to understand what God requires. We have made it complicated. We have Americanized everything. Uh, we have made everything a Western church. And uh, when you look at scripture, it wasn't our typical uh, church that we see nowadays. You know, it's practices and gatherings. Christianity, you know, wasn't about one day a week, uh, you know, or a class we take. It, it was about Christ, the gospel, the gathering of the saints, the forgiveness of sins. You know, it, it, it was... It was available through Jesus Christ. Only He could bring uh, bring us peace with God through the justification and, and to live a joyful life in the midst of suffering and persecution. We see this in living color in the early church. The early church got it. You know, they understood it. They understood what mattered and what did not matter. You know, characteristics, um, you know, we, we see this, you know, like I said, they learned. They were in fellowship. They loved one another. Uh, you know, and, and and they were devoted to one another, and they were also a praying church. They were a praying church. You know, the the, the Jews then and now uh, would recite certain prayers. So they, 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 it's not like prayer was new. You know, so when the church started, it, you know, uh, it's difficult to know exact exactly what they prayed. You know, we have some examples in Scripture, but we don't have everything. You know, we know that they use the Old Testament. And especially we can say the Psalms offer prayers and singing. You know, we, we, we have to understand that prayer doesn't really have a specific form or liturgical form. Although some would disagree with me, and that's fine. Um, and if you have your certain traditions that you want to hold to, that's fine as long as your prayer is sincere and real as you read it from that book. You know, there wasn't, my point is there wasn't so many distractions, um, uh, so much confusion, uh, differences and opinions as there is today you know the, the the rise of social media and entertainment and program driven churches feeling driven churches just adds to to the people um, of God not focusing on what matters distractions come in many sizes types um, and they keep us from the throne of grace distractions keep us from prayer 
keeping us busy doing certain things is not the goal of, of, of Christianity. It's not the goal of Christ just to keep you busy so you don't sin. No, it's to be in communion with him, to be together. Being devoted to prayer is for all Christians. You know, not only for leaders and teachers, we all need to be in communication and communion with the Father. Prayer is for all the people, uh, you know, grateful people for what God has done. Children can pray, teens can pray, adults can pray, um, seniors can pray, everybody must pray. You know, we must take, uh, you know, make a quick, let me make a quick distinction actually, uh, for the sake of clarification, you know, as, as we look through this at prayer. You know, one thing is to be in union with Christ and another is to be in communion with Christ. I'm sure you've heard that. And there is a difference. Union happens when we are born again, when there is an understanding of sin, recognition of our need for forgiveness of sins, and He becomes our Lord and Savior. Christians are in union with Christ then. Communion, so we can say capital C, communion, uh, which refers to the... uh, uh, I'm sorry, n- not capital C, uh, which refers to the Lord's Supper, uh, Holy Communion. But I'm speaking about communion, lower C, you can say, as fellowship or partnership. You know, we, we all must have a faith of our, you know, a faith of our own, a, a genuine faith, you know, in relationship with Christ. Um, and this cultivates communion with him, you know, as we walk with him. You know, this is where prayer comes into the picture. This is how we build this communion with Christ in our prayer life. You know, we need to understand that we are called into a relationship with the Lord and all believers have a need of prayer and coming to the Lord daily, constantly, consistently. We must pray without ceasing, praying at all times. This needs to be taken seriously and we need to come to God, not because he needs us, because he doesn't. We need him. We need God. We need him now more than ever. You need him now more than ever. I need him now more than ever. We need the help of God. Our congregations need the help of God. Need the help in the intervention of the Holy Spirit. You know, we need the power of God refreshed in our lives. You know, we need the joy and peace of God. We need the nourishment of God. You know, why pray, some may ask. You know, the Lord commands us to pray, that's why. You know, we all need to pray because we have a need. You know, then we will begin to create a good habit of praying. You know, soon after you will find yourself naturally coming before God uh, throughout your day, uh, not as a routine or because it's commanded. You know, you know, it, it becomes a delight. You know, th- th- there's joy to be in communion with the Lord. You know, let me be as relevant, as hip, as postmodern, and clear as possible. If you don't feel like praying, so what? It's not about feelings. Just pray. You know, if you don't know how to pray, so what? Just pray and learn. You know, if you feel too sinful to pray, so what? We are all sinners and only he can cleanse your sin and bring you peace, true peace to your conscience. So just pray. You know, life isn't a game. Life isn't a party. Life is short, and every breath belongs to the Lord, for He is the giver of life. You know, brothers and sisters, just just begin to pray. You know, we can read books about this. We can read articles, listen to the best sermons in town, get advice from many people on prayer. But you will never truly learn until you get in the game and experience the Lord through prayer. That's it. You know, you got to get this. The early church got this. This was essential. This was important. This brought simplicity, clarity, depth into the church. They got the need of prayer. The sooner you understand this, the better equipped you will be for the storms of life, for the strong winds, for the fiery arrows of the evil one, for the unexpected tragedies and the crisis that hits us all. You know, without notice and without permission. Remember this. When the tragedies, crisis, everything comes, the testing, the temptation, it doesn't come knocking and saying, you know what, can I come in for a couple days and and make your life difficult? No, it doesn't come that way. You know, we must be ready, live ready, be alert, be awake. You know, the only way is to be devoted to prayer. You cannot afford to play with Christianity. You know, we have an enemy and he doesn't hold back. He has a mission and that is to lie. You know, to steal, to destroy. 
we need prayer, brothers and sisters. This was an essential for the early church. This was a characteristic of the church. This is a characteristic of a real believer in Jesus Christ. Not that your building is open, not that you attend a certain denomination, but that you are a man or a woman of faith, of prayer, of holiness. You know, a man once said, a man who is intimate with God will never be intimidated by men or anyone else. And that is very true. And that, that comes from closeness with God because that brings us assurance. When we know who God is, we know where we stand. You know, we don't support God. He supports us. We are the creatures that need of the Creator. We are the children that need of the Father. We are the recipients of grace and mercy, not the source. So brethren, praying is to be on the winning side. Believe God and run to the strong tower, for He is a mighty fortress. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Come often to the throne of grace. Come often. As soon as we're done, right now, stop this and go to God. If you know there's something on your mind and your heart, go to the Lord in prayer. You know, in fact, the book of Acts gives us a clear picture that the early church was a preaching church, a praying church. They kept the main thing, the main thing. Again, let me tell you this. They kept the main thing, the main thing. And these are the characteristics that we ought to be imitating, not focused on other things that really have no they have no power, no significance. They have no real value. They, they can be good, but that's not the priority. You know, they stuck to the basics, the fundamentals. They were not focused on being a pretty church, on a well-adorned church, and a bedazzled community. They wanted the power of God, the presence of God. They wanted to be absorbed with God, to be saturated with Him, to spend time with Him. Not just read about him and hear about him, they wanted to get to know him. You know, here's some advice from a Puritan, Willem Grinnell. He says, pray often rather than very long at a time. It is hard to be very long in prayer and not slacken in our affections. End of quote. You know, it, it's not about the length of time, is what he's saying, but the quality of our time. And I know you would agree with that. You know, nowhere in scripture do we have examples of God commanding us to be praying for hours and hours it's okay if you can i'm not saying you shouldn't but that is not the norm and that is not just a standard you know to be focused on him is the standard that jesus christ that god the father that that jesus the son that the holy spirit be the focus you know you know just don't be proud or feel guilty no matter what you know we ought to be proud if we can pray for a certain length of time nor be guilty if we can't just pray to the Lord for that strength. But it's about the long run, all right? We're not in this for the short run. It's about being persistent and consistent in our communion with Christ. You know, don't be a firecracker Christian. You know, someone who just creates a lot of noise, a lot of lights, impresses people for a minute, and then fades away like smoke into the air. That's useless. You know, God is not impressed with scholarly words or eloquence or pretty words. Prayer is not about name it and claim it. You know, we can't bend the arm of God to do anything. God doesn't work for us. So check yourself, brother and sister. Prayer isn't about presenting, you know, a Christmas list before God and demanding everything like an entitled brat. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is to tell God all that is in your mind and your heart. Tell him your troubles, your worries, your doubts, your, your anxiety. Tell him your joys, your pleasures, your good times, your experiences. Express your gratitude, you know, and your gratefulness for, you know, for all that he has done for you, for who he is, for what he has promised. Acknowledge him in all your ways and decisions. Ask him to help you and supply what you need according to his will. Know that he is worthy of our time and more. He is worthy. You know, it, it must be genuine and real, for he knows everything. You know, many have said, you know, if if you suffer from a life of prayerlessness, you really suffer from pride. You know, ungratefulness will keep us from prayer. Self-righteousness will keep us from prayer. 
Entitlement will keep us from prayer. The lies of the enemy will keep us from prayer. You know, no wonder God hates pride because it keeps us away from, from him. You know, God used the regular, ordinary folks from the early church with little education, not a not of noble birth. The simple, they just simply believed God and they prayed with faith and God moved. Simple people with divine power. Simple people of prayer and the word. You know, Christians have prayed many ways and used many written prayers to help them. And that's good. You know, written prayers can help us, guide us to speak with God. The problem we face is exactly what the Lord warned us about. Meaningless repetition. You know, and when you are praying, he says in Matthew 6, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for the many words. You know, when when something becomes meaningless, it's empty, it's void, it's not real, it's not real to us. It, you know, it has no real meaning um, or value to us. It's just rambling words. You know, they may be beautiful words, they may be true words, but if we don't believe them, or if the words are not, you know, from our heart, you know, it's meaningless to us. You know, keep your prayer simple, brothers. Real, just talk with God. You know, that, that's, that's just get in communion with God. This is an essential. This is the simplicity of the church, a praying people. You know, just read the scriptures. You know, this was a priority. It was learning. It was it was being in fellowship, breaking bread, and it was praying. You know, let you know, just simply read through the book of Acts. If, if you want a shorter version of it, read the Gospels. You know, look at what it meant to follow Christ. You know, no matter where um, we may be in our lives or what we may face, family issues, personal crises, unexpected trials, testing of all sorts and sizes and shapes and flavors, temptations of all kinds, we must run to prayer. Run. Stop and pray. Walk and pray. Sit and pray. Kneel and pray. The posture is not the priority. It's the heart. You know, just come before God and get into his presence and trust his word. You know, like I said, the posture of your heart is what matters to Christ. Uh, you know, the, the, the New Testament calls us to be devoted to prayer. You know, devotion won't come easily. It will be difficult at times. That is why he says be devoted to it. He doesn't just say pray, which he does command us. But there's specific portions, you know, that he says be devoted to prayer. Pray at all times in the spirit. Devote yourselves to prayer. Keep alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. You know, then he tells us, you know, we see this in Hebrews, remember the prisoners. So he even gives us an, a, 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 a form of intercession here. Say, remember these people, the prisoners, as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated. You know, since you yourselves are also in one body. And this is what it means to be the church, brothers and sisters. It's not the building. It's not your denomination. And I will not get tired of telling you that. Too many people worship denominations instead of God. Too many people are focused upon their building being opened uh, uh, or closed or a certain percentage can only attend. That is not the priority. The priority is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Whether we assemble in a building, in a park, under a tree, in a cave, in a living room, um, wherever you want to assemble. On Zoom, the priority is that we be a people of God. And those are people who learn, who are followers who are in fellowship, who break bread together. And we ought to be a praying people. You know, prayer was never intended to make us feel guilty. You know, you know, it, that's not the intention of it. The intention is for us to draw close to God and be genuine and real with Him. You know, devote yourselves to prayer. That's what it means to be a Christian. Um, trust God, brothers and sisters. Um, you know, as we look at the church, we look at the early church, there's simplicity. There was clarity. There was depth in the early church. You know, the church is not the building. It's not about um, when we gather, how many times we gather, what happens um, in, in this gathering compared to the other gathering. It's not about having the best child care. It's not about having the best restrooms, the best programs in town. It's really not. It's, it's not. You look at the scriptures, that's not the objection. 
Although those things can be good and, and they can be uh, very comfortable at times, but that's not the priority. If the, all that is taken away, if we don't have if we don't have the, the if we don't have the best worship in town, if we don't have the best childcare, if we don't have the buildings, if we don't have our 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 rights to assemble, does that mean Christianity is over? No, it does not. Because Christianity is not dependent upon those things. It's about following Jesus Christ. We'll find a way. Because the Lord promised that he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. As long as you belong to that church, it doesn't matter what comes our way. It will not overpower us. It will not. It will not. The church is not dead. The church is not asleep. Let me just make sure you for clarification. There are congregations who are dead and asleep. But that has not to do with the body of Christ. The body of Christ is living it is active. It is it is an organism that connects us all together. So let us be a praying people. And let me end this with prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you. Um, I pray for my brothers and sisters as they listen to this in different places. I pray that you give us understanding to your word. Uh, what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be the church. Um, especially in difficult times as we examine um, what's going on around us. The, the things that we can and we cannot do. Um, I pray that we just go to Scripture, Lord. Teach us the simplicity of, of the things that you require. Teach us the clarity of Scripture. It's clear. It's right there. We just open our Bibles in the depth of this. That when we understand the freedom, that we're not bound to the building. We're not bound to a certain day, a certain hour, a certain program. That is not the objective. Lord, I, I pray that you can give us freedom from that mindset of traditionalism. That is good in so many ways, but yet enslaves us in so many other. I pray for the church, Lord. I pray for all of us, Lord, that you will give us wisdom, discernment, and a hunger for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.